0: Well, we're going to have our reading. Our reading is found in Luke's Gospel, and it's the final chapter of that Gospel, and it's Luke chapter 24, and we're going to be reading from verse 36 to verse 48. It's the evening of that uh, Easter Sunday, and uh, we pick up the Luke's account at verse 36. So Luke chapter 24 and verse... 36. Speaking of the disciples, we read, as they were talking about these things, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace to you. But they were startled and frightened and thought they saw a spirit. And he said to them, Why are you troubled and why do doubts arise in your hearts? See, my hands and my feet, that it is I myself Touch me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they still disbelieved for joy and were marveling, he said to them, Have you anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate before them. And on the third day, rise from the dead, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. Easter. Does it really matter? Does it make any difference? Well, think of a great house. It's a house with uh, many rooms. There's an upstairs and a downstairs. There's an east wing and a west wing. In fact, the house is so big, it would take more than a lifetime to explore it. And it's the house into which all of us are born. I'm speaking, of course, of, of this world, our home. Well, it raises a question, doesn't it? Is there anything beyond the house? Is there anything beyond this creation? Is all I can see and all I can touch, is that all that there is? Is there anything beyond? And who can tell? Because the only ones to leave the house are the dead. And the dead never return. They pass from the light of this great house into the darkness, into the unknown beyond. So maybe this house is all that there is. Here I was born, and here I shall die. No one gets out of here alive. So, best make make the best of it. But into this house comes Jesus of Nazareth. He says he's come from the beyond. That he's come from God's dimension. He's come from God's home. And he's certainly different. He is transparently good. To look at that life is to see there is no one more real, more credible, more human, more warm, more good than this Jesus. He says he's come from God to bring us back to God so that we can live in God's house, God's country. In fact, he goes further. He says that to see him is to see God that we see the godness of God in the face of Jesus. But then Jesus dies. He's nailed to a cross. So after all, he's, he's just like the rest of us. A dead Jesus changes nothing. Yeah, but then there were his last words. This is what he says on the cross, his last words, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. It's the prayer uttered by a Jewish boy, last thing at night, expecting to awake in the morning. As Jesus dies, it's as though he's falling asleep and expecting to wake up in the morning. It's as though this doesn't end here. Well, that was the Friday. As we come to our reading, it's now the Sunday. Jesus' disciples are together. There's a buzz in the air because this morning the women went to the tomb and found the tomb empty. This afternoon... Some are saying they've met with Jesus, they've seen Jesus, and so this evening as the disciples are together, there is talk of resurrection. Maybe Jesus did wake up. Maybe this morning was a resurrection morning. Well, come with me to the reading which we had, Luke chapter 24, and we're going to look at verses 36 to forty. And we have three things to say, three points. Point number one, Jesus himself. Verse 36. As they were talking about these things, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace to you. What a lovely greeting. Jesus who comes to meet us. He looks into our eyes. The first thing he says is, Peace. Peace. Peace to you. And the disciples' reaction, well, look at verse 37. But they were startled and frightened and thought they saw a spirit. Startled, frightened, it's a ghost. Do you believe in ghosts? I don't. But faced with two impossibilities, faced with two things that you don't believe... You choose the one that's least unlikely. The last person they're expecting to see is Jesus. They don't believe in their heart of hearts that he's risen from the dead. It's easier for them to believe that they're seeing a ghost. Verse 38. He said to them, Why are you troubled and why do doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Touch me and see. For a spirit does not have flesh and bones, as you see that I have. This is no ghostly apparition. He says Jesus, You want proof? Well, touch me, hold me. Does a spirit have flesh and bones? It's me. He's saying, verse 40, and when he has said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And of course, when they see the the marks of the nails, there can be no doubt that this is Jesus, risen bodily from the dead. But they're still not sure, because they know that dead men don't rise. Dead men stay dead. No one is expecting Jesus to rise. Verse 41 And while they still disbelieved for joy and were marveling, he said to them, Have you anything here to eat? You get the sense that they can't take it in. This is too good to be true. They believe and they don't believe at the same time. They're thrilled. And yet they're half expecting all this to end in tears. Because the unthinkable is happening. So Jesus gives them more proof. Verse 41, uh, have you anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish and he took it and ate before them. How very down to earth, how very unghostlike, like how very real. That Sunday morning there was an empty tomb. Had someone stolen the body? Here is Jesus meeting with them. Well, it might be a ghost, it might be a hallucination. So Jesus, therefore, gives them solid proof. He stands amongst them in a body that's real, solid, physical. It's flesh and bone. He can be touched and held. He takes food. He puts it into his mouth, and you can see them all watching. (laughs) As he chews the food, as he swallows the food, as he walks around the room, he leaves footprints. These people, whose reactions will be exactly our reactions, they're here to tell us that it's true. It's all true. That Jesus who died on the cross on the Friday, is risen bodily from the dead. Verse 48, you are witnesses, says Jesus, of these things. Well point number two, we'll call point number two Holger, it's a person's name, Holger. Now a dead Jesus changes nothing. But, of course, a risen Jesus changes everything because it means there is a world beyond our world. There is a a dimension beyond our dimension because someone has left, and now they've returned. They've left the house only to return to the house. They've returned from the dead, And that world beyond is not some shadowy realm filled with fluttering spirits. Life outside the house is real, physical, solid. It is as real and as solid as Jesus' resurrection body. But whereas life in the house is mortal, this resurrection life is stronger than death. Think of all those Zoom meetings we've been having and uh, you can see the screen and you can hear the words most of the time. But then to meet face to face, no longer through a screen, to see, to hear, to touch, to embrace, now, that is more real, isn't it, than the Zoom meeting? More alive. To be face-to-face, it's, it's richer, fuller, deeper. Well, that's the resurrection life of Jesus. That's the life of God's dimension. That's what it's like to live in God's house, God's country. If life in this world is like the Zoom meeting through a screen, and the life of God's country. That's life that's alive. It's face to face. It's richer, fuller, deeper. It's what the Bible calls eternal life. Well, maybe you're thinking, well, that, okay, that's all right for the disciples, isn't it? Because they were there. I wasn't there. And okay, Verse 48, we're told they're the witnesses, and I understand that their story has come down to us, but how can I be sure? How can I be certain of things that I've never seen? Well, look at verse 44. Then Jesus said to them, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the Scriptures. Do you see, what fully convinces Jesus' disciples, what really makes sense of everything, more than just the seeing, more than just the believing, what really makes sense is when they understand the Scriptures. It's when they comprehend the Bible that everything falls into place. This is the book that makes sense of Jesus. Who He is, why He came, what He did. And why what he did changes everything. And not just for those first disciples, but for us. The scriptures, that which has been written down, so that their certainties can be our certainties. That their realities on that Sunday evening can become our realities. On this Sunday evening, you want proof? Well, verse 45, then he opened their minds to understand the Scriptures. Now, Holger, he grew up in communist Albania. The state said the only thing that exists is the house. There is no outside. There is no God. Death is the end. No one comes back. That's the only certainty. So live by it. And it's all Holger had ever known. Well, one day while he was in the library, he was flicking through the the index cards and he found a book that intrigued him. He wasn't quite sure why, but the book that intrigued him was called The Bible. So he took the card, went to the desk, and he asked if he could borrow the Bible. And the answer was, no. Well, can I just read it? No. I won't take it out of the library. No. Well, the next time he went to the library, again, he went to that card index and was flicking through, and the card referring to the Bible, that card had gone. Someone didn't want him finding out the truth. They didn't want him knowing about the world beyond the walls of this house. The Bible was banned in Albania. It challenges all our certainties. Well, after the fall of communism, Holger got hold of a Bible. For 12 months, on his own, he quietly read it. At the end of those 12 months, he was a changed man. Because as he read it on his own, he wasn't alone. The risen Jesus, by his Holy Spirit, was with him. And he opened Holger's understanding. And as he read it, he found the Bible made sense. The Bible started to yield its message. The message of Jesus. And Holger discovered that to embrace God's word was to embrace Jesus, was to embrace life. Now words are powerful, aren't they? You know, you're waiting for that test result. The doctor says, it's all clear. And you come out, as it were, from the shadow of death. And you might even say the doctor's words bring life but the Bible actually gives life. God's very life, eternal life, resurrection life, flows down to us by the Word. God's dimension breaking into our dimension. And Holger Holger discovers that the key to the Bible's message was this message of the cross. Verse 45, And he opened their mind to understand the Scriptures and said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead. The Christ should suffer. Have you never thought about that? Why is it that the man who was transparently good, the one true innocent, why should he be nailed to a cross? Why should he become the greatest sufferer? To die this slow, agonizing death. Thus it is written that the Christ, that Jesus, should suffer. Why should he suffer? Sh- why should he suffer? Now, do you have a tattoo? Tattoos don't wash off, do they? They don't, they don't grow out. Tattoos stay. And Holger came to see that here he was living in God's world, enjoying God's blessings, the God who was actively good to him every day, but Holger was living entirely for himself. And he saw that if Jesus was good, if that's what being good means, then his life compared to Jesus' life, well, it must mean that Holger was not good. Rashid, he never loved God with all his heart. He never loved his neighbor as himself. And therefore, he was, in the Bible's words, a sinner. And like a tattoo, his sins didn't wash off, didn't grow out. They stayed with him. A personal history of guilt and shame, which meant... When his time came to leave the house, and the only way to leave the house is death, that he would go to the judgment. Because the Bible said it is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes judgment. A judgment where Holger couldn't hide those tattoos, a judgment where God would condemn him to hell. And Holger understood that if that's what happens when he leaves the house, the house into which he was born, then I need to be saved from such a death. And it was then that he understood the cross. Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer. Holger, marked with the tattoos of his sin. Jesus, unmarked, innocent, without sin. But there on the cross, the great exchange. And Holger's sin was put to Jesus' account. And Jesus' transparent good was put to Holger's account. And Jesus was punished. And Holger was acquitted. God treated Holger as Jesus deserved. And God treated Jesus as Holger deserved. And so it was Jesus who suffered the pains of hell so that Holger could enjoy the joys of heaven. And Holger began to understand that this cross What kind of love is this? There's a hymn in our hymn book. What kind of love is this that gave itself for me? I am the guilty one, yet I go free. What kind of love is this? A love I've never known. I didn't even know his name. What kind of love is this? Holger, saved by the cross of Jesus. Thus, it is written that the Christ should suffer. Now, some people are tattooed from head to toe. Maybe you're one of them. Maybe it's done for the shock factor. But can you see Jesus on that cross? His body his soul, inked, tattooed, marked with the stain, with the sin of countless people who've offended God. And then as the cross is lifted up and we see Jesus, he who knew no sin, made to be sin, the sight is shocking. And more shocking still is that when God comes to punish those sins, it's Jesus who takes the blame. And it's He who dies that I might live. He dies. Dies that punishing death for sin that I deserve to die. That I might enjoy the life of heaven. Enjoy it now, and when I leave this house, I might go to live in God's house forever. On that cross, Jesus paid the price for sin. Or maybe you're thinking, well, okay, how can we be sure? Well, people go to prison, don't they? And when they've done their time, when they've paid for their crimes, when justice is done, when the debt is paid, what next? Well, they go free. So here's Jesus. Holger understood this. Condemned for my crimes. So he goes from this house to God's prison. The Bible calls it hell. The wages of sin is death. But what happened on that Sunday morning? On that Sunday morning, the gates of death opened and Jesus walked free. The message is unmistakable. He paid in full the price my sin deserves. He pays the debt. And therefore the debt is free. Thus, it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from The And Holger understood that if God's justice has finished with Jesus, then by joining himself to Jesus, God's justice would be finished with him, right with God. Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead and that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem, all nations, including Albania. So Holger did that 180 degrees turn. He turned from the life that he'd been living up until now. That's repentance. And he came as a sinner to Jesus. And falling upon the kind arms of Jesus, he cried, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And he found the calm of sin's forgiven. His debt had been paid. Peace with God. Life eternal. Life which for Holger he began now. (laughs) Well, that's Holger. As we close, point number three what about you? What about you? We live in this great house. The house into which we were born. The house which one day I must leave. Is there anything beyond? It's a house which at present is being shaken. COVID-19, coronavirus. It's shaking our world, isn't it? Everything is changing. Work and play and buying and selling and life and death. We have a new vocabulary. We talk of lockdown, social distancing, PPE. And the preoccupations of a few months ago, well, they now seem trivial, don't they? Single-use plastic bags. Does that really matter that now loved ones are sick and some are dying? The house is being shaken. And we understand that. That's why we're pulling together. That's why we're thankful for, for the doctors and the nurses and all in the emergency services who are helping us, keeping us safe. But it's brought that question to the fore What is beyond the walls of this house? What happens when I die? Is this house all that there is? And Jesus answers that question. He enters the house. He dies in the house. He leaves the house. And unlike anyone who's ever lived in the house, three days later, he returns. And everything has changed. So the world beyond these walls is real as real as that resurrection body. And the life of God's world is not mortal. It's so rich and full and alive. That's why the Bible calls it eternal life. It's life brought to life. And says, Jesus, I've come to lead you safely from this house to God's house. Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead and that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. Jesus by his cross, Jesus by his rising again, what has he done? He's destroyed every obstacle that would keep us out of God's heaven. He dies that punishing death so that I can be forgiven. And then he rises from the dead to give eternal life to all who trust in him. Life that begins now in this house when I come as a sinner to Jesus. You are going to have to leave the house. It could be a sinner's death with all the grief and woe which that means and the bitterness of the grave and the sting of death. Or you can leave the house, a lover and follower of Jesus, falling asleep in Jesus, awaking in God's house, No fear, no terrors, no sting. My friend, will you change direction? Will you turn round? Will you come to the Lord Jesus Christ? Will you bow the knee? That's repentance, isn't it? I've been going in this direction, unchanged, unchanging. But I turn, and I come to him, and I humble myself, and I stop playing the games. I say, Lord, I've messed up. I'm condemned to a sinner's death. I'm going to eternity via the judgment. And the verdict's only going to go one way. I can't prove my innocence. But I understand that on that cross you died the sinner's death. You died to save condemned sinners from hell. Well, I'm a condemned sinner. So, Lord, save me. Forgive me. Change me. My friend, will you pray that? Because if you die without Jesus Christ, then all is lost. God only guarantees you one day when you may call upon Him, and that's today. Today, if you hear His voice, do not harden your heart. You could put the matter right tonight. This day could be for you Resurrection Day. New life in Christ. The assurance of sins forgiven. A new beginning, a new start, a new heart that beats for Him. No fear in death. A black American Christian puts it like this Either I die or he dies, he dies, I don't die. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. My friend, if you're not to perish, if you're to have this eternal life, then you must believe in Jesus Christ. You must trust in him. You must come to him. You must fall upon his kind arms. God be merciful to me, a sinner. COVID 19. We can't go back, can we, to the way things were? Can we? Jesus is risen from the dead. That changes everything. You're not thinking of carrying on as before, are you? Let's pray. Our gracious and almighty God, as we are alone with you now, we pray that you would come and meet with us in all your kindness, in all your love. Lord, you know our fears. You know all the contradictions we believe and yet we don't believe. We pray, gracious God, come and rescue us from our sins, rescue us from ourselves. And bring us into this life, this fullness of life, this resurrection life. Bring us to Jesus Christ, we pray. And give us no rest until we find our rest in Jesus. Because this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.